Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The WTF1 Post Race Podcast. The streak has ended. 15 consecutive race wins, but the man to put a stop to any more is a former Red Bull man himself. Carlos Sainz Jr. emerged victorious in a race that came alive after the first safety car. Thank you very much, Logan Sargent. But what does this mean now? Three teams in the fight for the race win and not a Verstappen or a Red Bull in sight. Is this a one-off? Has the form book been ripped up? What on earth? is in the water or indeed the red bull on the streets of singapore well to dissect all the biggest wtf moments from that race alongside myself harry benjamin is as always racing driver callan o'keefe and we felt it apt that this week the host of the red bull racing talking bull podcast join us to give her unbiased views it's nicola hume welcome nicola. hi what really good timing to have me on really great yeah really great really good timing um so uh is liam lawson being sacked for out qualifying max verstappen uh, do we have that yet or not <laughs> I don't have that. Not on my, no, I don't have any sort of insider information on that one yet. Not yet, but I will keep okay. you up to date. Right, we'll wait and see. But okay, <laughs> the biggest WTF moment, Callan, has to be that Red Bull didn't win. And in fact, they struggled all weekend long. But how? That's the real question on everyone's lips. How, how has it changed so quickly? I mean... Yeah, I'm I'm the first one to hold my hands up and we were discussing it on Thursday, I think it was, when I said literally maybe someone else is going to take pole, but it's a formality that he's going to win the race. And yeah, they were just absolutely nowhere. I thought it was gameplay, to be honest with you. When I was watching on Friday and they were nowhere, I thought it was going to be like a grand reveal come qualifying. They were going to be right there, but it's just, yeah, they just didn't have any pace. And obviously Christian Horn has come out immediately this, well, today and said, oh, it wasn't a result of the new FIA uh, ban on, you know, flexi wings, but Maybe, maybe it's something, you know, obviously we see a lot of the teams using the floors. Your wings are very crucial in the way that the floors interact and create downfall. So maybe this is uh, something that's going to, you know, clip the wings of the Red Bulls a little bit. I I mean, you say that now. But let's be honest. I mean, towards the end of the race, Max caught up like 18 seconds in five laps. I don't think there's anything really wrong with that car. I think it was just complete luck of the draw. It was just one of the, just couldn't get grip and just couldn't quite get it right during qualifying and during practice. And then during the race, I mean, Checo still struggled with it, but Max ended up doing quite well with it in the end, I thought. I think the thing that blows my mind, though, is obviously like the the medium tire when they all switched to the last part of the race. You had the two Mercedes and the two Red Bulls that switched to the medium. That was the strategy to go for. It's clear that that was actually another terrible Ferrari call, but thankfully they had Charles Leclerc to kind of, you know, hold up um, the the charging Red Bulls and, and the charging Mercedes as well. But I was more surprised by actually how little pace Max had with that advantage, if you know what I mean. I thought that he was going to come through and with a medium tyre, everyone else on the hard, I thought he was going to breeze through and make it to the podium easily, but he actually didn't. I was actually more surprised by how much pace the Mercedes had, to be fair, but who knows? Let's see. Maybe I'll be eating my words again. I feel like every time I make a prediction on this podcast, (laughs) something happens and the opposite goes. So I'm going to say that they're going to be back to normal in Suzuka, Max Verstappen, Poland victory, and hopefully the opposite happens and we can have another exciting race because what a race it was. I mean, 
that uh, the safety car and virtual safety car the strategy just seemed to always go against red bull but also, I, I mean, I get your point, Nicola. He was able to catch up quite quickly. But that was because Sainz and Ferrari were very much driving within themselves. They were holding that pack up because they knew about George Russell's and Mercedes' new medium tyres. It was the first thing George Russell said after qualifying. He's like, yeah, but I've got, I've got a fresh set of mediums. So, you know, we're coming for you. Uh, and I thought, coming on to, to Sainz, what a race. I mean, the pressure at the end and that DRS uh, maneuver to keep Lando Norris within range so Norris could get DRS and defend against the Mercedes. That's what won in the race. Genius move. Signs is driving differently. I don't, like I would, I would say the last, the last sort of three races or so. I don't know if you've noticed. He seems way more relaxed, way too relaxed. Like I don't know what's going on with his contracts, kind of thing. But he seems very settled and very happy right now. There's a part of me that thinks because there's a rumor going around, isn't there, that he's going to be with Audi in 2026. So now he's just kind of living his best life and just totally chilled while he's driving. So I don't know if that's kind of triggering things. But watching him race now is so exciting he's got a completely different head on his shoulders and I mean what a confidence boost as well he beat Leclerc outright in terms of pace at Monza and you know Leclerc's obviously a winner for Ferrari there he has that that confidence going into it I think it's exactly what you said Nicola there's been this shift in Carlos Sainz where you know the start of the season it was like oh well it's clearly that you know the number two in the team they favor Leclerc Leclerc has a history with Fred Vasseur he's the team principal and it it kind of all spiraled but the last few races he's He's had the measure of Charles, hasn't he? And there's Charles really hasn't had an answer for that pace. We've not seen that response yet. So maybe maybe he's more settled. Maybe he's got his future sorted. Or maybe he's now taking his future into his own hands and and really pummeling Ferrari's number one to take that you know stake for the number one seat there. I I've heard that the Audi job is there for Carlos if he wants it but I think Sainz wants to stay at Ferrari that is his number one priority he wants to stay and win with Ferrari and I do agree I think there has been a change in Sainz since the summer break particularly he's had we've spoken about it before Sainz is like Mr Consistent really but Charles Leclerc is able to get those wins and highlight results but also then he can flick the switch and equally he'll crash out he'll have a retirement or he'll have a bad race he's sort of he's either really high or he's really low whereas Carlos just seems to be a lot more steady consistent but is outright or up until this point not as fast as Leclerc he's like a couple of tenths slower generally than Charles Leclerc but apparently he's had like a, a sit down in the summer break with his engineers just to try and focus and get more out of the car and how he can hit the weekend running and be right there from FP1. And that seems to have been the case because from FP1 in Singapore, he was on it. Whereas the Red Bulls were Mm. scrambling around. I mean, Sainz had to not put a foot wrong, right, Callum, because less than a tenth between Sainz, Russell and Leclerc to get pole. Leclerc and Russell, they could have got pole, but they made mistakes. Sainz didn't. And that was the difference. No, I don't, you know, watching the whole weekend through, I don't actually know one moment where Sainz made a mistake from, from the, you know, the, let's call it money time in Q1. I don't actually recall seeing him make a mistake, ruin a lap, abort a lap, not be on the pace. It was just, it was a perfectly put together weekend, even down to, you know, the way, as we already said, the way that he he kept Lando in the DRS range to use Lando as a buffer for George was just genius. I was sat at my TV screaming when he, when Lando was, he was pulling away because obviously George was fighting with Lando. I was like, go back, go back, bring him back in, bring him back in. And obviously 
you know, he's a far better racing driver than me to have the hindsight to be able to do that while he's driving in Singapore. And yeah, it's it's that level of confidence and execution that I think is is making the difference. Obviously, the last few races we've seen Red Bull, especially Max out front, but it's been very, very tight behind. And he's kind of, he, you know, those perfect weekends where you execute like that, that's where you have to make the most of it. And, and the confidence that he'll have from executing a weekend like that at a place like Singapore, off the back of a pole position in Monza in front of the Tifosi. It's he's got that momentum, hasn't he? It's starting to roll now. And let's let's see if if it is, you know, the sort of new way that Red Bull are going to be struggling a little bit more. Maybe he can be the man that capitalizes on it and takes the fight to uh to be the best of the rest for the rest of the year. Well, and Nicola, Ferrari got their strategy right, but it came at a cost for Charles Leclerc, who was literally the a sacri- sacrificial lamb. He was the sacrifice, wasn't he? <laughs> Bless him. Bless his little heart. I, th- I, I mean, one of them had to take one for the team, didn't they? And it, and I think they chose the, the right sacrificial oh. lamb, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but it was nice to see Ferrari get it right for once. Because I, I remember texting, I texted you, didn't I, Harry? I was like, well, strategy is king when it comes to Singapore <laughs> and Ferrari doesn't have a good track record with strategy. But actually, no, they did pretty well with it. But poor old Charles Leclerc, bless him. My, my question, though, let me throw a curveball in here. Yeah. Did they get the strategy right or did did um, Signs win the race for Ferrari? Because actually, if you look at the way that the Mercedes closed back up onto Signs, I think Ferrari got the strategy wrong. I think if you look at where Leclerc ended up, okay, obviously he got hindered by the first safety car because he, he kind of had to back off because they double stacked and it really hurt him while they were waiting for traffic in the pit lane. But I don't. I think the medium that on the last stop changing to the mediums was the way to go. And I think Russell cruised up to the back of Norris, thought he had more time. And then by the time he'd had those two or three laps to settle in, you kind of settle into the rhythm of the driver ahead of you. Signs had worked out that he could use the DRS from Lando to defend from him. But I think the best strategy was actually the mediums. I just think it wasn't executed well enough by the Mercedes drivers. And actually, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. I think if Hamilton was ahead of Russell on track, I think he would have won the race. I think he would have been able to clear Lando and clear Signs. Oh, well, I mean, oh. we have to talk about the fact that Lewis handed back the place to Lando. Like, yes. was that an official handing? Should that have happened? I'm not sure. But then Mike, the way I'm looking at it is, I mean, I know, we've all seen the photos of, of Hamilton in front of Lando. So technically he shouldn't have handed it back. But would he have got in front if he hadn't have taken that corner too quickly to then having to go off the track? So I, I don't... I. I don't know. I, oh, I, I don't know if maybe. I don't think Lewis would have won it. I don't think so. I think Lando I, would have I, been up there. Do you, do you not think? Right, you just hear me no. out. So last last five six laps when they've closed up to the back of Norris, George has two or three laps to have a go at it while the tire is still fresh. Then the Mercedes switch around and go right. Well, Lewis, you can have a go if you clear them because I think once you get past Lando, the race is won because Carlos can't use the DRS to defend because there's the extra car in the way. And I think the pace that Lewis showed to drive up to the back of George to close the gap after the final stops, for me, I just had a bit more pace. And I think the delta with following is about seven tenths, five seconds to seven tenths. And if you can close up to the back of George, it means you're a little bit. I don't know. I I think he would have been able to to execute. I don't know why I just have that you, feeling. You from think watching Hamilton the race. would have been able to pass Norris even with Norris having DRS from signs? Yeah, 
I think I think the the last half of the race or the last phase of that that last part, the you know the last five six laps, I think Lewis had more in the bag compared to George, and I think it would have been enough to clear Norris and then clear Sainz and win the race. So we're we blaming if, George. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not blaming George. I'm blaming. <laughs> I don't want the George Russell fans to come after me. Yeah. <laughs> I just want I to agree, keep someone I happy. I do think that if if Hamilton or any Mercedes had got past. That Norris, then, then the win was there for the taking. Sainz yeah. would have had nothing. I think he said I would have been dead meat. So, but then they ran out of laps in the end, and and it didn't yeah. happen. So in that alternative universe, um, it doesn't matter because it didn't happen. Um, what didn't did happen though? What right. did happen was Georgie boy um, finding oh. the wall. I couldn't believe it when it happened. I'm so gutted for him. Could so not. gutted. Last lap, rookie mistake, Callan though. But so so we talk about this a lot with drivers and it's it's called car watching, right? And it's a thing when you settle into a rhythm, you start rather than focusing on your own reference points, because you have this giant thing in the way of you and all the, the information that you're taking at high speed, you start watching what the other car's doing. And that's why it's so difficult to follow in a race car because they always break, you know, you're you're always running whatever it is, fifty to hundred meters behind. If you're car watching you break slightly earlier because you break when they break. And it makes it very, very difficult to make the difference to pass through. And actually, if you listen to what Lando said, Lando actually clipped the barrier as well on that last lap in the exact same place, just not as much. And I think George had been stuck in that rhythm where he was following Lando for four, five, six laps. He's watched Lando maximize the track. You know, the uh, the F1 graphics where it tells you how close to the wall it was, that was super close, super zero, close. Centimeter, <laughs> zero centimeters. And I think he was he was just caught car watching a little bit last lap, really trying to make the difference. And it was just a little bit more than what Lando did. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was it was something like that, but what a shame for him because it was it was a really good drive from George, I think, actually to, to drive back through the way he did. And, you know, a great call from Mercedes as well. But absolute heartbreak the streets of singapore will bite at any opportunity won't they will he bounce back nicola what george i think he will i think he has to um i'm really hoping that he has a really good race in japan because i think that would be a real big confidence boost for him if he does if he doesn't that could be quite serious for the for the last few races in the season for him because i think he really needs it now he had such a good qualifying he had such a good race you know he started on that front row he was he was destined to do really well people were saying that this is his chance to win a race and then all of a sudden messes it up in the last in the last lap oh, I really hope he, he gets back on that horse in Japan and he does well yeah I mean there are only 24 points between uh, Mercedes and Ferrari in the constructors after that win uh, and so the battle you know, is Ast- on Aston Martin had a shocker of a weekend with Russell not scoring that is a fight that is well worth watching um, elsewhere one of the other things that I found really interesting in this race and, and maybe if it had t- gone a different way uh, it, we would have ended with a different result. Esteban Ocon, Callan, retired oh. and he parked it up <laughs> on the pit lane exit. Heartbreak for the birthday boy. He was having a good race for Alpine. Uh, but he had a retirement and I was expecting a safety car and maybe even a uh, pit lane exit closed because it was blocking the pit lane exit. Um, but it was a virtual safety car and the pit lane wasn't closed. I, to me, I was like, mm, that feels a bit like, oh, we've had one safety car. We can't have another one. I don't know. So I, I think it comes down to with you know a lot of these decisions, they're trying to not let the safety car influence the race. That's kind of the 
whole ideology, isn't it, behind the virtual safety cars? It can be cleared up quicker, and it means we lose less laps. It's a race that I know it's a bit it's quicker now with the alterations they've made to the track, but traditionally. We have lots of safety cars in Singapore, so it, it normally is one of the races that runs very close to the time limit. And I, I don't know. I think where he parked it, if you looked straight ahead, there was the the gap in the wall at the exit of turn three. And I think it's quite slow speed, especially with everyone on the virtual safety car. The field's quite spread out, so I think that's kind of the main reason why the the virtual safety car was pulled rather than the actual safety car. It was just to try and clear it up as quickly as possible to get as much racing. And but it, it did. I think it caught everyone by surprise because everyone was kind of waiting for that call on the safety car because again, it's a free pit stop, isn't it? So everyone's kind of waiting, and then it doesn't come, and it throws it throws another curveball to strategy, which I quite like. It kept the engineers on their toes, I think. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Well, I mean, it came it came out too late for the leaders to come in, um, yeah. so they couldn't benefit. But I think Red Bull, Mercedes could have could have. Well, they did. When Mercedes, that is when Mercedes did come in for the pits, isn't yeah. it? But, um, and I think Red Bull, I think would have benefited way more had it been a safety car, not a VSC. So Verstappen could have been in the fight, and we could have had what was it, the top top five drivers um all fighting for the win now that would have been something spectacular <sighs> over what was already spectacular enough but this is what i've been saying all year long right take max verstappen and sorry Nicola, just get rid, rid of him out of it get rid of him get rid got of a him. hell of a fight a hell of a championship on hands and not to take away anything from red bull the the mastery the engineering precision that has gone into their deserved results but oh this made it good and it wasn't all doom and gloom for the Red Bull drivers who've all had, all of them had a bit of a tricky weekend, um, but a good weekend for Liam Lawson, Nicola in the Alpha Tauri staking yes. his claim for an Alpha Tauri seat next year. I mean, he's immediately landed himself in the points for the first time in Singapore, which basically like never happens to mm. like rookie drivers. Never happens. I mean, he's proving himself to be a very, very impressive driver. I mean, we all kind of knew, didn't we? Because the amount of times we'd be like, oh, just let him have a go. Come on. We know he's <laughs> going to be great. And then he, he goes out there and all of a sudden he's, he's smashing it. Even in qualifying, he did so, so well. So even just to land in the points and seeing him battle with Max Verstappen was a bit bonkers there for a moment, yeah. wasn't it? I'm so proud of him. I feel so proud of him. And I really, really hope he gets that AlphaTauri seat next year because I think he's I think he's cracking. I really do. But, but at what expense? Who goes? This is this is know. my next question. This is this is what I was gonna say. Like, what do you do now if, if you're the the people making the decision? What do you do? Because you've got Daniel Ricardo who jumped in and did a decent job. You've then got Liam Lawson who's jumped in and done an exceptional job. Who do you take for the rest of the season when Daniel's all healed? Because 
surely you, you can't, after the job that Liam's done, you can't get rid of him because if he misses out on the second half of the season, it kills the momentum. But you, you've got a contractual obligation to bring in Daniel. Like, what, what do you do? I don't I, know. What did I, they do with Yuki? Uh, how was Daniel driving compared to Yuki? I can't, I, I can't well, quite we didn't get remember. enough, very, I don't think. We didn't get we didn't enough. Get we, enough. Got one, we got realistically one race, didn't we? Because he, he know, broke his hand for practice at Zandvoort. In the in, just, in my just, head-to-head stats, what was it? Uh, they're somewhere around here. Bring up Hang the on. numbers, Harry. That's what you're here Phil, for. Your stat Phil, 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 Phil. This is what uh, he does. So it, it was. <laughs> this what, is it why was he gets the big the, bucks. The, <laughs> is that because I've just bloody written them? Uh, <laughs> big, big bucks. I think again, mate. Um, Sonoda and Ricardo uh, won all in qualifying, uh, and it was one all in the race. So I, 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 I it was, and there wasn't enough to really tell. Um, equally against De Vries, it was qualifying eight two in Sonoda's favour, and in the race, it's it was also eight two in Sonoda's favour. But the way it's going with Liam Lawson right now, it's two one in qualifying towards Sonoda and three nil to Lawson. But I don't think that tells accurately the full story of Sonoda, given he had a did not start in Monza and he was clattered into by Perez in turn four in lap yeah. one um, of, of the Singapore Grand Prix. But did I do think this does ramp car, up the, the way. Huge. Yeah, it was huge damage. It was huge, yeah. yeah. He was like, "Oh, I've got a puncture," but actually, whoa, no, that was that was way huge more than the puncture. You got a hole on the yeah. side of your car, mate. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, <laughs> and, but also the Stick thing some that tape on me, it, and it'll be all right. Keep going, it'll be fine. The, the thing that annoyed me though was that Sonoda was on such a good qualifying lap, and then he locked up in turn fourteen and mucked it up, and he would have got into the top ten. He would have outqualified Lawson. And I think he needed that. But in my humble opinion, um, that team, I know there's talk about. Uh, is it going to become Hugo Boss or Adidas or something next year? Is it losing its identity as a Red Bull junior team? That's what I firstly want to clarify because you go back to when it was literally called Toro Rosso, which is Red Bull in Italian, uh, where they had, you know, Algeshwari, Boemi, Vettel, all, all going through that school, uh, Verne, Ricardo, take one, all going through that school of training and then either progressing or or not and going somewhere else. If, if that's going to stay, in my opinion, next year you have Lawson and Sonoda. If it's not going to stay, you have Lawson and, it pains me to say it, not including Sonoda, but you have Ricardo and Lawson. And Sonoda needs to either go to a Williams or to an Aston Martin or to somebody else. He's not going to go to Aston Martin, obviously, but you know if they were sensible, they'd kick Stroll out and put Sonoda or somebody like that in. But Williams would be the other uh, only option because I think what Lawson's points and, and uh, three races Callan and Formula One have already proven is that he has the talent to get on to the pace of his teammate and beat him and be competitive in a car very quickly. Logan Sargent, the only rookie who has not scored points has been absolutely trounced in qualifying and the race compared to his teammate, Alex Albon and that to me showcases a case more for why Sargent should not be in Formula One next year. Yeah, basically look, the, the, the thing with Sargent is Am I wrong? Sergeant is Am not I wrong. No, you're right. I mean that's the problem, right? Like we 
the problem is it's easy for us to be sat here wherever we are in the world critiquing these amazing racing drivers for them because it's difficult to drive around. In. Yeah, exactly. I've played the Formula <laughs> One game. I'm I'm well fast on that. You should see me around the streets of Monaco. I only hit the barriers yeah. ten times a lap. When you get the flashbacks and automatic <laughs> yeah. gears, easy. <laughs> I, I love it. But it, it is. It's it's so easy for us to sit here, but they get to Formula One because they're the best in the world. There's lots of racing drivers who are good, but still don't make it because they're not as good as the ones that get there. And you know, it's it's very difficult because it's it's a balancing act between giving them time to learn and develop, but also it's a high, you know, it's a high, it's the best sport in the world. If you, if you get there, you've got to be ready for it. And someone like Lawson coming in, I think it, it, as you say, it shines a light on actually how bad Logan's been because, you know, the mistake that he made in Singapore was completely unforced. It was an unforced error, a lockup drive into the barrier. It's, and it's mistake after mistake after mistake that snowballs it. And no one's expecting him to go and out qualify Alban by three tenths, but you at least want to see a race free of mistakes to show that he's capable of being there. And, when you get someone that comes in and does the job that Lawson's doing, knocking out the reigning world champion from qualifying, racing with him wheel to wheel, sticking an Alpha Tauri, you know, into the points, you, we, we always have this discussion about how do we get talented drivers into Formula One? How do we get young drivers the chance? And if someone demonstrates the talent, but we can't find a seat for them, then it nullifies the whole system because drivers are spending, you know, tens of millions of pounds to try and get a shot at Formula One. How can we justify not giving the shot to the kid who's shown that they have the ability and proven themselves over the one that's bringing more money? And it's it's just every time we always have this discussion on the podcast, there's no right answer, is there, really? Forgive me, listeners, for interrupting during Callan's excellent talk about Logan Sargent, but we've got a couple of ads to get through on this episode. First up, LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. Even I can do it. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash WTF1. That's linkedin.com slash WTF1 to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is also brought to you by Factor. With the busy full season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track of your healthy lifestyle. Too busy this fall to cook but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavour and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. Adjust your stride this autumn without missing a step. Choose from 34 weekly favour-packed, fresh, never frozen meals ready to eat in two minutes. 
With Factor, you can rest assured that you're making a sustainable choice. We offset 100% of our delivery emissions, source 100% renewable energy for our production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in our meals. This September, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavour-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash WTF150 and use code WTF150 to get 50% off. How could you have guessed? That's code WTF150 at factormeals.com slash WTF150 to get 50% off. Back to the show. Well, there, is a right, there is the right answer. You, you, get, rid of, you get rid of Hogan and, and you put Liam in an Alphatari and you give Williams more options. And I think Sonoda would be a great option. I think Aston Martin would be, if they could ever find a way of sacking uh, the uh, boss of the, uh, the, the son of the boss um, in Lance Stroll, you put Sonoda in that seat alongside Alonso. Well, you know, when Honda are coming in as the power unit supplier, obviously for Aston Martin in a few years, the Japanese link there. You look at what maybe Sonoda could have done that Aston Martin I think he would have he would have a lot more points than Stroll currently does I totally agree another case in point Nicola this weekend where was Lance Stroll okay glad he's okay but an unforced error when pushing hard to get himself out of Q1 and he still wasn't going to be able to do that even if he had completed his lap without that huge crash Brilliantly walked away, but Aston Martin having to withdraw him from that race. They're already racing around with one hand tied behind their back with Lance Stroll in that second car. And now they were literally doing it in the race because they didn't have him there. I mean, I know we are... We I are get so putting harsh on this Stroll. podcast. I don't know what comes over me. Sorry. You're getting sassy, mate. I know. We are putting Lance up against Alonso, right? And Alonso has a ridiculous amount of experience. But the thing is, is so does Lance. He's not yeah, a Lance newbie isn't a rookie. Here. He's not a rookie, yeah, is he? I feel like, like, but Lance is in this permanent state of, oh, he's only had a couple of years in F1. It's crazy, isn't it? I don't know if you saw the glitch on the F1 website. This was all over Twitter earlier, but there's oh, a glitch on the F1 so website funny. that talks about the Constructors' Championships and it says the team, Aston oh, Martin, oh. all it says is Fernando. It doesn't even no, have Lance's right, name yeah. up there. Not even oh. a picture of Lance either. Wait, wait, That's so look, bad. Many, so uh, Lance does have... 47 points to his name. Let's Alonso, go. Alonso has 170. Oh, it's I mean, just... and, and ironically, Lance was better at the start of the year when he had a broken wrist. Oh, Maybe they've got to leave it there, shall we? Whatever you do, Lance, keep injuring yourself. Oh. You'll be, you'll be faster, is, it's clear. As soon as that crash happened, I, I could hear the entire world just sigh and roll their eyes. It was just one of those moments of, oh, of course he's crashed the car. Oh, for God's sake. And it's so frustrating because sometimes when he has a really good race, you can see that it, there is talent there and he is a very, very good driver. He's just, he's full of little cheeky mistakes every now and again and he's just not holding himself up well up against Fernando. And I, if you could... Put Yuki in that seat. Aston Martin would be much further up constructors, I think. I really do think that. I I think I think there's this thing, isn't there? Like with any sport, any athlete, you can look but like Lance, he won F4 and he won F3. Like that's a ridiculous pedigree going into Formula One. He's won every championship he's raced in. So he must be good. You know, he can't be terrible. But it's not so much where they were before, it's measuring them based off their progress and 
perceived progress they should be making and it's exactly what you said it's we always have this thing with stroll we're like oh well he's you know he's he's stroll he's young he's gonna get he's he's late 20s now he must be what 26 yeah like at what point do you then go well actually it's 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 a you know, a huge privilege to have someone like Fernando Alonso working alongside you. He had Sebastian Vettel to kind of learn alongside as well. Like, when do you when do you find yourself in a situation where you can't beat the He's experienced 24. teammate? He's twenty four. Yeah. No, okay. Is fair it, enough. I, no, I, 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 take I, it. I thought he was twenty five. I take it. He's, He's, He's a, a ninety eight baby, isn't he? Ah, so he's going to be twenty five this year. His birthday's yeah. on the 29th of October, so next month. Oh, there we go. He's nearly 25. Yeah, yeah, 25. Yeah, yeah. So we, we race together in karting and I'm 27, so he must be similar. He was like on the edge of being in juniors when I moved out of juniors. So yeah, he's 25. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, fine. Let's let's one year. Let's cut him a bit of slack. But if I, I like to think <laughs> he, that if- He's just if, a rookie. Let's cut him a bit of slack. He's just a rookie. He's just a rookie. You know, he's going <laughs> to go do the uh, the rookie days, the young driver test at the end of the year, stick himself P1, and that's <laughs> that's the start of the new momentum for Lance Joel. <laughs> That's, a, that's if he beats Fernando Alonso, that is, you know. Oh, I feel, yeah, I, I, I do just want to say, obviously, Strolls is, is a good, they're all good drivers. But yeah, the fact that Alonso is always going to be a tough ass, but I think because the gap is so big and that team exists solely for Lance Stroll. So it will, it will just, it's just going to be a, a, a time, a matter of time uh, until Lawrence Stroll finally realizes, okay, Lance isn't going to be a world champion. What am I going to do? Um, and whether he persuades Stroll to go and be a tennis player or Stroll decides to take a, an involuntary retirement, who knows? Um, oh. But at the moment... Maybe, maybe like good. a traveling year or something like that could be fun. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. he gets to go to these nice places <laughs> under pressure. Of, well, why not go back and see if you like enjoy the tourism, yeah. take in the culture, well, you know? Perhaps you know? yeah. a podcast. A, a gap year. A gap year, exactly. On a farm, babe. You'll enjoy it. I think I think the Lance Stroll podcast could be uh, could be a real hit. We don't uh, I, we don't need any more competition, Harry. Come on, mate. What are you doing? <laughs> no, no, we'll just get you out and get him in. Uh, right. Oh no! It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Um, okay, is it going to be a return to uh, to business as usual in Japan this weekend, Callum? Yes. Oh, and Nicola, whoever wants to well, go. Uh, Nick, Nick, uh, by all means, Nicola, after you, please. Yes, yes, yeah. I think it will be. Yeah. 100%. Quest, question, why are we saying that? Because I I keep making these calls and I keep getting them wrong. I want to know why everyone has this opinion so that I can make a more informed opinion because I'm clearly wrong. So okay. please, Nicola, tell me why. Singapore tends to be a little bit of an outlier in general, I think. It's a street circuit, so naturally everyone's a bit closer together anyway, like we saw in Baku and Monaco. And the only other thing that I can compare the Red Bull Singapore weekend to was Mercedes back in, I think it was 2015 or something, you know, during their dominance and they came to Singapore and they couldn't even qualify in the top five with either car. That's the only kind of connection I can make. Uh, Obviously there is something that the, the bumpiness of the track perhaps as well. And, And whereas compared to Japan, it's, fast sweeping corners long straights that's where red Mm. bull massively uh getting their performance comparatively to the other the other teams i mean a lot of drivers train specifically for singapore don't they because they they know that it's a really tricky track and max has hasn't really ever performed well 
at Singapore. He's never and won it, it seems to be it seems to be that track that just seems to get him every time. So I do think once once back in Japan, I just think it was just gonna be back to smooth sailing and they'll just win the rest of the season, if I'm honest. <laughs> Done. Why there we go. why can't we have hope? Are we have <laughs> we had hope and now we have no like, you know, it kills I'm, you in I, the end. It kills that's what gets you. No, I, I think it'll probably be I don't think they're going to be quite as dominant. I'm going to say this, and it's probably going to be wrong, but I, I think it might be a little bit closer. I I, I, I just have a feeling that it, I think they're still going to win, but I think teams are going to start closing up towards the back end of the year, and I think maybe there's other stuff going on behind the scenes that's maybe affecting Red Bull more than maybe it, it looks. And yeah, I think Singapore was an outlier. I think it's like they're not going to be struggling to make Q3, but I think they hopefully someone's going to be able to take the fight to them a little bit more because we have we had four cars all within sort of three, four seconds of each other, all battling, and I really enjoyed it. I'd really like to see that again because it's the most alive I felt watching a Formula 1 race this year. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, well, okay, usual business in Japan then. He can't win the title though, can old Maxi boy. He cannot. Um, he has to be 180 clear, uh, and he can't do that now until Qatar. So it might be a bit underwhelming if he wins it after the sprint race in Qatar, but that is his first opportunity to claim the title, just so you're aware. Uh, Red I mean, Bull it's, it's not going to be a shock, country. though, is it? It's not going to be a shock, though, is it? I mean, you say it's a bit underwhelming. I mean, no, we've been, no, we've well, been preparing no, but, for this yeah. since round three. Like, it's, it's already... <laughs> the T-shirts are well and truly printed. <laughs> Nicola's already got her T-shirt ready. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, fun fact, uh, here's a little behind the scenes here on the Talking Ball podcast, right? So I was going to record with Max on his episode in September, and then we went, right, well, it doesn't it make sense to push it back to October because then he probably won the championship by that point. So it's uh, the episode got pushed back to October the 12th because basically by then he would be a world champion and it will make a much more interesting conversation. But we moved it back because we were like, well, he's probably going to have won it by then, so we might as well just record it then. <laughs> you know? Yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> Behind the scenes of the Talking Bull podcast there. Um, yeah. Okay, podium time. I need, please... A star performer, a worst performer, and a biggest surprise performer from the Grand Prix. Uh, Nicola, you're the guest, so you may start this week with your star performer, please. I'm going to go for Carlos Sainz. I think yeah. he, he smashed it from start to finish. You can't not give that award to him. I thought he was brilliant. The whole entire race qualifying, the whole entire weekend, fantastic. Callum? I... Yeah, it's okay. It's Carlos Sainz, but I have a couple of honorable mentions like I always do because I feel yeah, like yeah. it was one of those races. Esteban Ocon, the move on Fernando Alonso to go around the outside of him race wheel to wheel. That was great. Liam Lawson and oh, the yeah. Lizard from Free Practice 1 as well. Cause, cause oh, big fan. Really, May it rest in peace. We love Liz. The, the, meme, <laughs> the memes were fantastic. That's what a, what a contribution. Your only contribution of the season to be that big in Formula 1. What a, you definitely deserve an honorable mention. So, uh, yeah, but Carlos signs in a, in a league of his own this weekend. Okay. Uh, my star performer is obviously going to be signs as well, uh, but an honorable mention um, to maybe it was a different lizard that sadly got hit by Fernando Alonso, <laughs> um, hoping uh, the best for them. And uh, an honorable mention for Kevin Magnussen stealing the final point in 10th for Haas when, it, when he looked down and out 
somehow Magnuson got a point at the end, uh, <laughs> and the Viking returns to the points, which I'm always and his pleased quality to see. was fantastic. Oh, wasn't that, it? the two hasses, phenomenal! Don't know what on earth. Again, it's similar. What like what the hell? They they cut they scrapping this car. They got a new one in Austin. So if they, well, hang on, you just start, you just qualified six and ninth and got got a point out of it, which is very crucial in the battle with Alfa Romeo, I might add, and now Alfa Tauri because they've now got five points five more and they're equal with Alfa Romeo so it's actually looking quite you know tight down at the bottom of the uh, the constructor championship um okay worst performer of the Grand Prix I shall start and I will go with Stroll because he wasn't even there to take part <laughs> oh that's unfair that's unfair didn't even show up didn't even show up did he didn't even show this, up. Isn't, this isn't called this isn't called the post-qualifying podcast it's called the post-race podcast harry so you can't you can't <laughs> judge him based off of qualifying uh, also well, we, he's, he's, he's taken a lot of heat and we don't really want the aston martin family to come after us so i'm not going to say stroll i'm going to go and i'm going to say it was logan Sargent. It just has to be. It's just he's just he's just having an absolute wounder of a time, and I hope it gets better. For I say that after every time I say it, but he is the new Nick DeFries, and he is proof that you know you can take the Latifi out of Formula One or out of the car, but you can't take him out of Formula One, can you? So yeah, we you, move again. The new Nick DeVries. is that? The new oh, Nick DeVries. that can't be a saying. Let's not make that a saying. That's so hard. <laughs> I, I said <laughs> it earlier in the year. Nick DeVries was a distraction for all of us because everyone was focused yeah, on was, him. Literally, he could get away with kind of being a bit subpar. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's, he mean, is I'm... the new. He's the new Nick DeVries, unfortunately, and that it pains me to say because I love Nick. I really, I, I would go to the ends of the earth to tell people how talented I think Nick DeVries is, but. For this season, for 2023, he's the new Nick DeFries. Take it on to you, please. <laughs> Stop well, me from talking. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to have to agree with you, though, Callum, because actually Logan Sargent is my vote as well. I'm so sorry. He, he did is. beat Alonso. He beat Alonso to the line. Fine. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, there's silence on that one. Fine. <laughs> uh, biggest surprise performer of the Grand Prix, then Nicola, we'll go back to you. Oh, surprise. Uh, I was... I was thinking about this and I was thinking, do I go for Liam Lawson? But then, but mm. the thing is, is, is it a surprise? Are we expecting it from him now? Because he, he had such an amazing qualifying. So I don't think the race was so much of a surprise. It was well, amazing to see start. him. I don't think it's a surprise. He had a bad start. He fell, fell out of the points for a while. I'm going to go Lawson. surprise. I'm going to go with Lando, I think. Oh, okay. Because he... He held himself so well at the top there. And it was it was one of those where it was getting so close. Seeing those top four, top five cars racing together, you got to a point where you're like, I just think I think the Mercedes are gonna get him. I really do. I think they're I think they're gonna get it. But he held himself and he he held his position and he got himself in P2, and I think that was brilliant. I wasn't expecting him to get that. So that was very nice. Interesting. Interesting. I, I'm gonna be the boring one and go for Lawson. Just because it was a surprise, I was he, he rocked up in Zandvoort, and I thought if he finishes somewhere around people, he's done a good job. There is no way I thought that he would go to Singapore, out qualify Max Verstappen, race with Max Verstappen, and get points. There's there's just there, everything, everything in terms of preparation, experience, just said no to it, and, and what an amazing job he's done. And yeah, my my. It would have been my start before if Sainz hadn't done the job that he did. But yeah, the biggest surprise for me was was Lawson. 
Yeah, I mean, hard to call it anything else. Uh, maybe I, I would say the Hasses just just because of an upturn in 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 form, just to be different. Although I was a bit surprised by the Alpines actually, and and yeah, uh, and how good they were. Although it was even sort of it seemed like it was one or the other. Ocon Ocon's retirement meant Gasly got a great finishing position um but i don't I think ocon had finished where he did i don't think gasly would have had had a, got into the points or maybe he would have done just so i maybe i'll go alpine you know do you think and there's the, been a change in the vibe since otmar has gone do you think at alpine let me just call my friends at alpine and see what they say to make uh, a bit of change in the I, vibe the vibes i are, don't so no. all the stories you, but Harry, the stories you told us about Obmar, like basically like dealing out drinks on the plane. I think he'd bring the vibes. You know what I mean? I think he sounds like the kind of guy who would bring some decent vibes. Maybe they've realized that actually they've gotten rid of a, a diamond here and the team need to start performing to stop the loss of other people. Maybe that's the, the vibe effect. I don't know why I keep using the word vibe, but you've used it now. I feel like I have to keep saying it. So keep saying it. I, I, I think it's probably... Should we just say Singapore is just an outlier and we'll see actually what's going to happen? But I was, I'd actually agree with you, Harry. I think the Alpines, Alpine, Alpine. I'm not complex now about it. Alpine. Alpine. Al- what's wrong with you? What? It's not, Alpine that's is a, a cereal bar. bar. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I've had Alpine. this whole conversation with him. Alpine. I'm sorry. Also, the Alpine. You're also, while we're here, another one. Um, Ocon. Esteban Ocon. You yeah. don't Ocon. say Ocon. Do you say, say Ocon? Ocon. Oh. I'm so okay. I I w- w- what's wrong with saying Ocon? Tell me what 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 Ocon? Ocon. It's not his name. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's a pretty fair point. His name is literally Ocon. So we we were <laughs> together Alban. in twenty Alban as well. Alban. No, you don't. Why, why am I saying I've literally been a part of F1 junior teams with these people for years, and I've been saying their names wrong? Is that what you're telling me? Yes, yes. I was part of the Lotus Junior team with Alex and Esteban. I'm not going to say their last names because I'm not going to say last names anymore. And you know Gwen Lagrue. Yes, he now runs the Miss Gwen Lagrue. 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 His podcast, the F1 podcast, they had him on recently. Ah, yeah, he now runs the Mercedes. He did mention the Lotus Junior team, but you didn't get a no, oh, I was I was one of the the N- NPCs in that. I was a non-playable character, unfortunately. Maybe he struggles uh, to pronounce your name. <laughs> <laughs> Okefi, Okefi. <laughs> well, I I appreciate the uh, pronunciation lessons that you guys are giving me every week, and I, I can't wait to come back next week and discuss the names that I'm saying wrong once again. You I'm, literally I'm... follow Formula One. How can you not be able to pronounce their names? It doesn't make any sense. I think all racing drivers are stupid, and that's why I'm going to I'm no. going to hide behind that. Or I'm just an especially stupid racing driver. I've it's all the bangs from the side of the um the headrest when you're going at high speed. Your head hits the side there, and I've lost a lot of brain cells. That's what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Apologies yeah. for me. I will get better. I promise. We have however many races left. We're into the last part of the season. I will I, by the end of the year. I will pronounce every name correctly. The last episode. We'll do like a little list and it will be like a tick of progress. Yeah, that'd be nice. A Christmas special. you just special. say progress or progress? <laughs> <laughs> Nicola, I'd say. 
Thanks for coming. My biggest surprise performer was the Alpens with Esteban Ocon and Pyre Gaisley. My my thanks to Gasly, Callan O'Keffe, and Nicola Hame. I've been Harry. Ben Jamin, uh, and we're out of time. Ben Jamin. Uh, ben how, how do you say? How do you say good? Well, I'm going to take the the heat and throw it towards you, Harry. How do you say goodbye in Singaporean? Is that the language they speak in Singapore? Um, I believe Mandarin. it's uh, it's well. I speak. They believe they speak. Um, uh, well, they have five national languages, I believe, and I think. Well, I, I uh, hope you've learned all five. As Malay, we, you know, Malay to, is is one of their languages because it's so close to Malaysia. Um, yeah. So I'm going to say... Uh, He's talking slowly while he Googles. He's Googling. Yeah, yeah. Jay Jan. Jay Jan. from <laughs> Harry Benjamin, Calendar, Keeping Nick with Hume. Uh, and we'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> Japanese Grand Prix this weekend. Set your alarm clocks. It's an early one. Uh, wherever you are, I think, unless you're, not, unless you're in Japan. Uh, make sure you're following and subscribed if this hasn't completely put you off. Um, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Oh, and listen to the Talking Board podcast. That's where you have Nicola yes, as well. please do. Please do, yeah. because actually in a couple of weeks is the episode with Checo, so we've recorded that. That's going out ne- not this Tuesday, next Tuesday. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, much right. more that's professionally yeah, done, part. and it's much better. And, it actually is. Yeah, no. I would, I would... If you need something to listen to after that, go over there and you can hear more of, more of Nicola. Thank you for joining us, Nicola. It's been a pleasure, as always. A final final note uh, to Lance Stroll, Lawrence Stroll, and the Aston Martin team. Please, just... I'm I'm sorry. Um, See ya. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.